for the opportunity to hear your word. Thank you, Father, because faith comes that way. Thank you, Lord, for giving us faith, increasing our faith. We turn our attention to you, and we thank you for this opportunity to be blessed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen. So today, we're going to talk about healing. Amen. Is it okay? Is it all right? Is it all right? Over the years, uh, we've gotten into the habit because we do the healing schools, um, uh, what is it, six times a year maybe? Uh, we've gotten in the habit, or I had kind of gotten into the habit of just doing uh, teachings on healings during that time because it just seemed a little easier to me to orchestrate a meeting uh, around, um, uh, a, a, you know, a, a, a desire to create the right atmosphere for it. And, and that's always good for the sick and for those who are sick. And then I thought, well, believers need to get some teaching, teaching, and, and get into the word. Amen. And, and so this is, this is for you. I do it all for you. <laughs> but anyway, I just believe that. And I, I, I really am de- determined to do more of it because uh, God is moving in such a way that his people are going to need to be comfortable offering to pray for the sick. You know, when I say comfortable, amen, teach it as a, it, it has to be like a normal part of what you do. It can't be something you do fearfully or in doubt, and, and that's the anointing, but also there's a spiritual training of your spirit to respond to situations in a certain way. And so we want to always be on the ready uh, for when God wants to move. I know that a great healing revival among uh, believers is coming to the earth. Uh, we've had healing ministers that could demonstrate the power of God in a great way. And, of course, we always learn from our teachers, but it is for, it's written in the Bible, believers shall lay hands on the sick and God, amen, causes them to recover. So speaking of recovery, we do have a praise report. Uh, Josh, they thought he had torn his ACL. You know how the devil wants to do a false prophecy on you. But we beat him to the punch. He's already healed, amen. So they say it's really just a sprain or a strain, and, and he can walk from that. So get up, Josh, and walk. <laughs> praise God. We well, not go baby to baby. He's he's tough, you know. He, Always, y'all see him posing on Facebook. You know how they keep the arm like and try to make you think it's normal. It looks like that. I got you, Josh. I got you, buddy. I got you. I feel you. If I had one, I'd do it too. You know what I'm <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but anyway, so God wants you well. He wants all of His people well. Amen. Jesus paid the ultimate price for our healing. Uh, I think if if we're seeking God and seeking him first, when situations arise, we will be led into the word and the supernatural power of God will manifest. Um, I think you, you kind of cheat yourself and shortchange yourself if you don't seek God at the first sign of sickness in your body or illness. Um, your body belongs to him. You've been bought with a price. Amen. You have been bought with a price. I would rather be afraid 
of going to a doctor and cling to God than the reverse. You know, sometimes we cling to the natural and the familiar, and then we're scared to trust God with our bodies, and he created them, you know. That's like having a Cadillac and taking it to a Toyota dealer. They don't know nothing. Get your hands off my car. They don't know nothing about this, taking this where it belongs. Take, take it to the peeps that made it. And so we, we really do have to understand healing in that respect and understand that God has not made it hard for us to receive his word and receive full benefit of his word. He makes it easy for us. There's so many people that came to Jesus with very little faith, and by the time they left, they had a healing. You understand? They were healed. And it's just that simple that we have to continue to go to him and not give up. You know, don't settle for comfort uh, when you can be healed. Amen? You can be made whole. And so we have to really, really stay open and thankful to God for healing us and, and do the things that we know that will increase and encourage our faith. Your faith can never be too great. So don't ever, when somebody says, you know, you need to increase your faith or where's your faith, I got faith. Well, it needs to increase. So put it out there where we can see it. Put your, put your faith where your mouth is. Put it out there. And, uh, and allow God to work with that faith. That the, the expression of their faith is what will, will uh, bring healing to you. If faith is never expressed, the Bible says it's dead because it's by itself. So we found find out that faith needs help. Amen. It just can't be raw faith out there. Faith works by love. So if there's no, if the expression of love is not, when I say love, I mean a pure heart. No animosity against anybody. No uh, I'm going to show these people in this church God going to heal me. No, 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 no. You're going to show them something else. Keep that attitude. Huh? You'll show them how sweet a home going you can be the main participant in. Huh? But let's not get crazy here. Healing is for you. To do you good. Amen. It's a blessing on your life. Not for you to show somebody something when your healing comes through. Just a thought, you know. God doesn't roll like that, you know. He he vindicates on your enemy. People ain't your enemy. The devil's your enemy. If anything, he'll show the devil he can't have you if you stay true to God's word. Amen. Faith also takes patience. You got to be patient with yourself. You know, sometimes we want too much too fast and get too little too late. Too much. Oh. <laughs> look, 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 look. <laughs> right. You jump right in there. <laughs> All right. So, John 3 2, beloved. I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So your soul must benefit and increase. Amen. Now, you know, people will say, well, your soul, you know, you have a a carnal soul and, you know, you can prosper in things. Well, anything you learn in a carnal fashion is not prosperity. It will work towards your death. 
I don't care how much you know. Amen. It's Paul said, I counted all what? No dung compared to the knowledge of God. Sorry about that. His his worldly knowledge, he said he was a very learned man. He was learned even in religious things and in the word. But he said all that he possessed, he counted it as dung compared to the excellency of the knowledge of God. Amen. So it can all be kicked to the side and kicked to the curb for the excellency of the knowledge of God. And so we have to be careful relying on our uh, soul in a, a strictly soulish or carnal sense. We have to learn to renew our minds and allow our souls to really prosper in the word of God. Because there are some people, you know, you can find some really accomplished people in the natural realm. You know, there's some people that uh, they get a job and they breeze through it and accomplish and, and rise to great heights. They academically, uh, they're learned and have many, many degrees and, and all of that. But that will fail, you know, because if, if you get sick, all them degrees ain't going to help you. Huh? If your kids are on drugs, your degrees are not going to do you any good. Amen. If your husband decides to get stupid and walk off and leave a godly woman. Oopsie. Sorry. I digress. I got a little caught up in my, my speech. But uh, you understand what I'm saying? The devil will get into anybody. And it will work against you. But the knowledge of God amen, is worth more than rubies worth more than gold so when your soul prospers it has an effect on your whole being amen even your physical body there's no such thing as having a prosperous soul without it showing up in your physical body somewhere it will show up there i remember years ago i i I watched the 700 club Every day for many, many years as a newer Christian because I was housebound and couldn't get out to church. And, and so I would watch faithfully. And I remember a young woman that would come on there and give her testimony. And Pat Robertson had some favorites that he would have come on there. You know, I mean, you see them. And it wasn't like it was, was anything wrong with it. But there were some testimonies that were so rich, you know. And you could see him sitting on the edge of the seat. He enjoyed listening to them. He'd get them people back again. And this young woman uh, was diagnosed with MS, and she was like in her 20s. And uh, she was, she, I think she was either an intercessor at the church or she sang in the choir. And her illness advanced so much she couldn't come to church anymore. And she was even um, bedridden, and she had begun to develop what they call contractures, which... Uh, you know, certain of your muscles are stronger than others. Your flexors are stronger than your extensors. And so if you just leave your arm and it never is exercised and your extensors don't stretch out and equal in strength to the flexors, guess what happens? The flexors, and you see people with legs and arms drawn up like this. They are almost fetal because, you know, and it's very difficult to exercise those limbs often enough to keep that from happening. You know, people are bedridden, and that had happened to her. Her body was totally deformed because of it. And when she went home and couldn't be in church anymore, she asked the pastor, 
if there was something that she could do. She said, I want to stay involved in what's going on. I love the Lord and I want to stay involved. And they would send her all the prayer requests to pray. And she had little pieces of paper. And as she was able, she'd take them, pray, and set them aside, take them, pray, and set them aside, take them, pray, and set And this went on for a number of years. See, when time is not your enemy and time is your friend, you can do anything. You can do anything. And she was just thankful to have something to do for God. Well, she said one day she looked up and her legs started to straighten out, her arms straightened out, and she felt to get up out the bed, and she'd been running for Christ ever since. She goes everywhere and gives her testimony. And so we see the power of the word when your soul prospers. You can't tell me she's praying the word every day over these people, huh? And nothing else to do but pray every time she thinks about it. God answered that prayer for her. You can't beat the word of God performing what God says it is supposed to perform. So the writer here says, I wish above all things, it's my highest wish for you, that you'll prosper and be in health. And I believe that's God's highest wish for all of us, that we, he does not want us sick. He does not want us in pain. He doesn't want us weak. He doesn't want us infirm. He doesn't want us putting up with the devil's nonsense. But that we would feed on the word continually. It's continual feeding. And thereby walk in divine health. Proverbs 4, if you'll turn there, 20 to 22. This is your prescription for how to be healed. It says here, my son, attend to my words. Now, first of all, a son is somebody that has a covenant with their father. Somebody calls you son. Amen. They are obligated to you to take care of you, to bless you, to lead you, to guide you. There's all kinds of implications in that father-son relationship. He says, attend to my words. In other words, pay attention to what I tell you, not what the doctors say, not what the lab reports say. You know what attention means? It means focus. Now, Some people think that if you are not troubled or bothered or or, uh, led by what the evil report tells you, that somehow you're in denial. Now, there's a difference. Denial is simply a mental operation to block the truth out because we don't want to deal with it. You can you can uh, say, for instance, uh, your your kid will bring home bad grades and never say anything to the parent about it, and believe that they're never going to have to own up to them bad grades. Well, that's a form of denial, because unless you do something to correct those bad grades, your final grade is going to be bad too. You're just putting off the inevitable. You understand? It ain't going to change. Because you're not dealing with it and talking about it. And this is what people do in lots of areas. There are many people that don't want to uh, own up to having problems or trouble. And they will uh, pick up a confession that sounds to them like faith, thinking they're fooling somebody. 
Your motive means everything. Church is a place where pretenders show up all the time, from the pulpit to the pew to the bathroom. Everybody is out there pretending. We tolerate pretense out of each other. Amen? We don't demand much from the pulpit. They don't demand much from us till it's time to pay bills in the church. You understand what I'm saying? And truth is not highly valued. And so it's easy to play games with people and play with their emotions so you can sound spiritual. You can sound like you can sound this. So faith is not the same thing as denial because faith is a spiritual substance. Denial is a mental thing. Amen. Denial is also a spirit. It's very powerful. You keep playing with that thing and you'll never want to face the truth. Huh? Denial goes with cer- certain types of of problems that we see uh, in society and mental health problems, especially. Alcoholics tend to, and drug addicts a great deal, operate in denial. You'll you'll see families, whole families, of people that never talk about so and so's drinking problem. Huh? Because it's too hard for us to face. So we deny it. We ignore it. We act like it's not there. Well, some of y'all have been living in the real world. I lived in the real world all my life. People in, with alcoholism tear up the house on Saturday and get up on Sunday and don't, I don't remember anything. What? I, you can't get through to them from that wall of denial. They don't want to talk about nothing. They're too nervous when you talk about it, all that kind of stuff. Huh? So denial is powerful in keeping people from dealing with difficulty. They have no answers, and they'd rather blot it out than to try and just admit it and see where that goes. Oftentimes, that is the real problem. Most psychologists will tell you if you can find out what your problem is, that's 90% of the cure. You're 90% there and getting better if you'll admit what it is. Same thing with us in Christianity. If you confess your sins, he's faithful, you admit where you're at and you'll get some help. As long as you're in denial trying to pretend like you're holy and it's everybody else that got problems, you don't get nothing. Huh? They don't like me. Huh? They talk bad about me. Hmm? They don't give me no attention. Hmm? What's wrong with you? Hmm? (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? See, as long as we play those mind games with ourselves, jack our minds up with a lot of nonsense and prop it up with a lot of foolishness we'll never get to the root of what it is and get god's word in on it so that the world can work can bring medicine and health and help to us we always always want to pretend about certain things you know they don't bother they don't bother me of course it does it bothers everybody huh I mean, you normal, you human. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, we, that's not an indictment against you. 
It's just life. Huh? We all out here fighting the same devil. Huh? Same thing over and over again. So so Proverbs four says, Don't pay attention to anything but what I tell you. That's really what that is. Parents get upset with their children because they keep telling the same thing over and over and over. And it's always, you know, and, and the, the kind of cute thing is that nobody admits that. Parents don't admit that to one another. Because their parents told them that one day they were going to have kids and they're going to do the same thing. You're going to be wore out like I'm wore out. Just wait and see. So you go and suffer in silence. Don't want to tell nobody because you got to admit mama was right. <laughs> I wish above all things that thou would have a child that drives you crazy like you driving. <laughs> but your parents are smart enough by that time to know life is going to happen to everybody. Amen. <laughs> you got through it. You know, then that gives you hope for your kid. Just keep preaching at them. Keep telling them over and over and over again. Don't change. Just like God doesn't change. His word never changes. The word is unchangeable. And he says, pay attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. My sayings. Nobody else's mine. There are a lot of church people that have their sayings that we remember. Are they scriptural or aren't they? That's what you got to decide. He says, let them, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep the word in front of your eyes. You have to saturate every place that can understand something with the word of God. Keep it before your eyes. Keep it in your ears. Hide it in the middle of your heart. Don't let it get away from you. He says, because that's where life is. Once you get that word in you, then that's life to you. Just hearing it a little bit and, and skipping over it because it's familiar to you, that's the worst thing in the world you could do with the word of God. Grab it. Grab hold of it. Meditate on it. Say, God, I want that. I got to have that word. I got to have that working in me. I'm still got symptoms in my body, Lord. Let me have the healing word working in me. I don't care how long it's been. i got to have that word working in me, Lord. He says, and keep your heart. It says, for they are life to those that find them. Amen. How do you find the word? It becomes real to you on the inside. He says, and health or medicine to all of your flesh. So you have to take medicine of the word in order to be healed by God. You can't have it any other way. Everybody wants to to live like they want to live and then run up to the altar and fall down and wake up healed. And that will happen some. You got me? I thank God for it because it'll work for me. You know what I'm saying? But there are some things, and you can't cheat this, and some things won't move until you spend time with God and get in that word for show. Amen? He says to keep your heart or guard your heart diligently, for out of it flow the issues of life. In other words, don't compromise on the word. 
be diligent about keeping the word and guarding your heart. Don't let anything, he says, put away from your, your, your mouth that talks any kind of way and perverse lips. Keep part. You know, don't let your eyes look upon things that don't belong to you or that not for you to look on. You know, uh, and, and just think about where you're going, where it says ponder the path of your feet. Think about where you're going. Are you going to do mischief or are you going to do good? Amen. And keep your feet on the path of doing good and not doing evil and you'll be fine with god so this is a lifestyle healing is a lifestyle you don't just jump in and jump out of it and go do something carnal and think you're going to confess the word and it'll work for you i don't think so this is for consistently unwavering righteous people amen that guard their heart to stay in the way of righteousness and not step out of you Healing must be legal. You can't have nothing illegal going on in your life and be healed. Amen. So in order for it to be legal, you must obey the law of faith. You've got to obey the laws of God for the blessings of God to work and come into your life. See, we think we can talk raggedy, think raggedy, run and do everything we want to do, and then run up to the altar and fall down and get healed. You don't don't work like that. I mean, don't work like that. This is for the consistently uh, walking in righteous people. In Romans eight, or no, Romans ten. If you turn there, and this is explaining the law of faith and how it works. Romans ten, starting in verse eight. But what what does it say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. Hmm. Your healing is that close. Your prosperity is that close. Amen. You don't have to ask God to come down, Jesus to come down and heal you or anything like that. He says, what, what, how does this work? He says, the work is near you. The word is near you. It's even in your mouth and your heart. That is the word of faith. That we preach, man. So Paul is talking about, you know, there are different, different messages that are always preached. You know, there's some tradition that gets preached, but he's talking about the word of faith. In other words, the anointed word of God that comes from the scriptures. That will heal you every single time. And that is if you will confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in your heart in other words you've confessed christ uh, we got one saved person here well two i'll stick up for that huh? this is important you know it's not just for your obituary he confessed christ at an early age it never did a thing holy ever th- you know so. sold drugs for the last 10 we can't judge god knows those are you or his you know we can't judge that that's all he can say about you sometimes confess christ is her age but we have done that we confess the lord jesus so we have a covenant with him amen we have a covenant with him 
and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. Who knows the heart but God? And with the mouth, confession is made until salvation and deliverance and healing and prosperity and anything else that you need from God. So the heart-mouth cooperation must be there for faith to be expressed. You can't grab a scripture out your head and say it in front of the saints so they leave you alone and quit asking you how you doing. Huh? Everybody's scared of that question. How you doing? Huh? Sometimes that's what you feel like when you come into church. Here's a mafia quizzing me. Huh? How you doing? Sometimes that's a thing, a, a head game we play with ourselves. People mean you well. They don't mean you. Sometimes people are really concerned about you. They don't know how else to express it. Amen. They're glad to see you when you come in after you've been ill or something like that. They, they rejoice with you. People pray for you. So it's not always some kind of inquisition when people ask you how you're doing, but it's amazing how people can get so defensive about that, you know? What you mean? Start feeling for their peace. What you mean? (laughs) Peace out. Amen. We serve the same God. We love the same God. But he says it's it's the heart and the mouth that must agree and that's why it's good to meditate on the word of God before you pray so that your prayer can be filled with faith sometimes we don't pick up them prayers you know you pray those prayers in church and and then when you pray with your prayer partner during the week and you don't see them in between huh it gets in your heart easier if you say it more often and you hear it more often. Man, it'll get in there more often. That's why there are some people who can recite that prayer for years and not walk in divine health. They're still scared when they, you know, something goes wrong in their body. I, got, I have to admit I'm one of them sometimes, you know. I used to pick up that word and just bang symptoms. <laughs> mess with me show you what i do you know and it worked for me worked for me for many years and then with age and with uh uh, other things that come your soul starts to get a little dopey and you find you gotta work a little harder to get that word in you you know you don't bang it so quick and then bounce off of you the way it used to but it's going to move you understand me it's going to move there's nothing wrong if that symptom doesn't move immediately you just keep talking to it amen it'll go somewhere one day (laughs) so this is obedience to the law of faith you confess with your mouth what's in your heart and you receive the benefit of it. In fact, Mark 11:22 says, "Have faith in God." This is the way the God kind of faith works. 
He says, whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart. Not doubt in your heart. Not doubt in your heart. Well, what do I do if I'm doubting in my heart? Put some more word in there to drive the doubt out. Amen. Just confess the doubt. God, I got doubt in here. I know I got doubt in here, but I'm going to keep confessing that sometimes the doubt is in your head. Huh? I confess the word anyway. You got me? It's because I'll tell you what happens as you speak uh, the word of God. The Holy Spirit then is able to bring it more powerful to you, bring it closer to you, bring it clearer to you, and more in manifestation for you. So the more you confess it from your heart, the easier it is to believe the Word of God. You know, sometimes you can say the Word and feel like you just isn't going nowhere. It's so hollow. There's no substance to it. And then pretty soon, about the ninth or tenth time, that thing starts getting real. It starts feeling powerful. It starts getting easy. It's getting good to you. The Holy Spirit is working the atmosphere to conform to the Word so that it can manifest in you. We quit on things too quick. I remember uh, uh, um, Prophetess uh, years ago shared a testimony I think it was one of her tapes I was listening to. And she said she had gone to a church and um, uh, was talking to the pastor and some people. She had gone there to minister, I think, and they were just sitting around maybe at dinner sharing some things. And and so a young man, a younger minister in that church came in, and the pastor said, he said, I want to share the testimony with her. And they said, the testimony, like it was something different. And everybody kind of said, well, okay, you know, like they were a little reluctant or something. And she said that she shared, they shared a testimony that they had been uh, um, studying healing a couple of weeks. I think another minister had come in, and and he had been sharing with them on healing and, and the power of the word of God. And uh, they were in a building process at the time, and uh, the pastor and this assistant minister were in the basement or something, and a very heavy object fell on the pastor. And uh, it had him pinned down, and uh, it was crushing his back, and so, um, but he was able to breathe, and the young man started commanding him to get up in the name of Jesus. Now see, this is where you get scared. He did that for three hours. Now most of us, we look at confess time, and we put them together like that, and your mind goes in shock. Because if you think to yourself, I couldn't do it. That's the first thing that comes up. I couldn't do that for that long. I'd have had to call 911. How did he keep from calling 911 or panicking or doing this or doing that? Was that fair to do to the pastor? What do you do? That's the man of God right there. In the Is that not right? Is that not compassion? Are you not really doing everything you can But if you think about it this way, If the Holy Spirit builds and manifests the word of God 
And your faith increases every time you hear yourself say, get up in the name of Jesus. If that's increasing, the atmosphere is created where doubt is shielded away from your head. Negativity is over in the corner somewhere. Everything. See, if that's going to work like that, the Holy Spirit has to work it. You can't flip in and out of your mind and say, well, I need to quit now or should I do? No, 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 no. God has a way of shielding us from doubt, shielding us from fear, shielding us. And after three hours, that man of God pushed that thing off of him and got up off that floor totally healed. You got me? We don't just create miracles out of nowhere. If that miracle has your name on it, you got picked to be the one to stand there for three hours and do what you need to do or whatever. And you have no doubt, you have no fatigue because every time you say that word, the power increases. You get the strength to keep doing it. You have nothing in your mind except let's do this again and keep doing it. Time means nothing. And she said this, she said, I, when the way they told the testimony, she said, I got the impression it was something like a secret around there. And she said they kind of handled it that way because they were so afraid that if they shared it in the wrong atmosphere with the wrong people, they would get cared. You see how your carnal mind will flip right back over and take a miracle that got... See, The miracle itself is not the end of the story. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ. It's the spirit of prophecy. And she said, she said, she thought to herself, I wonder what would have happened to this church if they told that testimony over and over again. You see what I'm saying? The devil does something with testimony, folks. He will, will, if, if we're not careful, to give God glory in things, and we're not careful to understand what God is doing and to reverence God and, and respect God in these situations, we'll create an atmosphere of envy, of boredom, of condemnation right where the testimony is being given and we don't receive it the right way, with the right spirit. You know how they used to do Brother Hagen, the the uh, ministers that, that graduated from Rama would be upset with him because, oh boy, we got to go hear them old stories again. People do that to you. Everybody wants something new, fresh, and interesting. Well, if you are, haven't been fresh and interesting in what you've had before, nothing that we can tell you is going to be new, fresh, and interesting to you. Casting pearls before swine. So there's always somebody that wants to kill the atmosphere. The devil hovers in situations like that so that he can cause people to get fatigue, brain fatigue. And, you know, uh, Sandy Brown said that she would, she would have to go when they say, Brother Hagen said you better come to camp meeting. Uh, and she'd say, and I'm off in the field doing miracles and stuff. And I'm thinking, well, uh, I'm over here doing miracles. I don't need to be there. And she said, God got me with that one time, you know, and showed her. He, he said, I don't know if you could be as disciplined as he, telling the same stories over and over again with the condemnation and criticism. He's being faithful to what I gave him to tell people. 
Huh? She shut her mouth, packed her little bags, and got back to camp meeting so she can hear some more of them stories. Maybe she have something to take out the next time she goes. You understand? God knows what you need. And so if you confess with your mouth, that is the law of faith. You must obey the law of faith in order to get the results that God has for you. There's nothing wrong with confessing the word. Rather confess the word than confess unbelief, doubt, or anything contrary to the word of God. But it depends on your intent when you confess it. What are you intending to do? Some people think that God is impressed with how many times they confess the word. You ever catch yourself one time and you think, well, I, haven't, I haven't read a healing scripture in months or weeks. And then you say, oh, by his stripes I'm here. Believers are trying to catch up. Now I've done that. I don't know where y'all live, but I, condemnation hits me regular. Huh? And sometimes it hit us, we don't even know that's what it is. We just think it's God telling us to do it some more. Huh? So you think if you say it real time, real Beetlejuice, 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 you know, so I'm like, that kind of stuff. A little magical thinking. Huh? Well, what's in your heart when you confess it? I don't be confessing nothing in fear. See, when you condemn yourself and say, I don't do this often enough, that's fear in your heart trying to drive you to start doing things in a religious fashion. Then when they don't materialize and you're mad at God, I've been confessing the word and I've been praying, I've been standing on the word. and I, huh? So you confess what you believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. There are some things in your heart that are dormant and have resided there for many, many years. And then one day God calls it up to be confessed. I see that happened with, my, uh, with the house that I bought, the least last house I bought. I have been looking and looking and looking, praying and praying and praying. Every before I went out, God, please let this be the day. I was, you know, you prayed and prayed, you just want to be over with. Sick of this, tired of this. Instead of acting like a faith person, believe you receive when you pray and go off and enjoy life. Huh? And I kept confessing out of my fear. I was a recent widow. I didn't want a lot of bills. You know, you look at money that you have, and and you think about it dwindling. You don't think about it lasting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If I stare at them zeros long enough, they won't go nowhere. You got to live, you got to spend, you got to do this. And I was fearful. And I kept putting myself in a budget that wouldn't get me the desire of my heart because I was afraid of the money. And one day I just got tired of, you know, being a yo yo. I felt like a hockey puck, like, 
Somebody slap me and I shoot over in that corner and bounce off. and Every idea that comes in your head just jars your brain. And I remember I was over at Pastor Shirley's house in the bathroom with a lavender wall. And I was staring at that lavender wall. And I said, God, just get me a house that's, and the words wonderful came out of my mouth. And I tried to grab them before they came all the way out. You understand? With your own words and your heart will scare you sometimes. But God wouldn't put it there if he didn't want to bring it to you. You got me? And I remember the morning that I said that. And the next week I went out and found a house. Because I mistakenly, uh, or so I thought mistakenly, the, the realtor had told me, she said, well, I'm sticking with the ceiling you have on here and blah this and blah that. And I said, well, why don't we increase it just for this time? I said, because I think if I can get a house maybe in a higher bracket, then I can negotiate down. And that was God's answer for me. I took it up another $50,000 and was able to get a house at the price that I wanted to pay, but if I set that as the ceiling of my search, that wasn't going to show up. Never be afraid for God to increase your faith. Instead of believing for free all the time, believe for more income. You got me? I mean, there's more ways to skin a cat than give it cream, you know. You can do this a lot of different ways. And so when, when, you, when you pray the right prayer and faith comes out of your heart, the wisdom to do what's necessary to follow up will come with it. But you won't get wisdom to do something without releasing your faith for it. So faith has to come first and say what it is that you want and what it is that you desire. And then wisdom comes with the plan to accomplish what you believe and you desire. You don't get wisdom. See, this is where we make our mistake. We want to know everything. You want the wisdom and the plan to come up before you put your mouth on it. You ain't going to get it like that. You don't pick God's brain to see what's in there. It'll make you faint. You know, uh, uh, if God were to sigh on you real heavy, you'd pass out. So this is not, you know, I want to dip all in his mind and hang at the mind of God. God, give me as much as I can take. That's why you got a little bit. Go run, do something with that first. Huh? Like when we were kids, you know, sitting around the dinner table, you want all of that on your plate first. And your mama said, uh, you finish eating what's on there first, and now I'll give you finish that, and I'll give you more. Huh? Because if it was up to you, you'd have everything on your plate and everybody else's plate be empty. Huh? So God don't play like that. Let's just do what he, be good stewards. Amen. He gives more to faithful people, not hoarders. Huh? So anyway, so God then uh, is able to take our faith and increase it. He will help us to express what we desire in our hearts. And that is so very important. 
you must have love and not fear in your heart making expressions of faith. Hmm? Most young people are not married because they're scared. You understand what I'm saying? And, and you need to be a little bit. Because <laughs> there's some folks out there, man. Huh? Things don't come to, to fearful hearts. Yeah. I don't be sitting up there like that. Exhale. Everybody go. Thank you. Everybody holding their breath like. Ooh, what's she going to say next? Huh? You got to get love in your heart. Love God. Love people. Don't be so afraid of everything. Huh? Nobody's scared of you. You know, we take ourselves way too seriously sometimes. Good grief. Nothing bad's going to happen to you if you get married. You just wake up the next morning and find out what they really are. That's a shock to everybody. Huh? It's a shock to me. I said, oh, Lord, have mercy. This brother, he really expecting something. What happened to the baby, baby? Love, love, love. Baby, baby, baby. Love, love, love. Huh? Real life hits you. And see, Christians, we need to prepare Christians for real life, not for the baby, baby. I mean, you know what I'm saying. Huh? But ask God for what you want. Make up your mind what you want and don't compromise. Everybody thinks if they get what they want, it's going to take too long. Huh? You marry something you really don't want, and it's a life sentence anyway. So, I mean, (laughs) you know what I'm saying. Let's get this show on the road. Get on out here. Huh? But you got to get fear out of your heart. You start confessing in your fear, and you start letting fear motivate you and not love and not loving God and trusting God to give you his best. Huh? The desires of your heart. Somebody who, who thinks like you think. Somebody who can understand what you and you understand them. Somebody who can help support your dream and you help support theirs. Not somebody that's selfish. Huh? Got to have a day way all the time. Huh? You know, you got to be so into God. You, you know, that's where the trust comes. You trust God to get you in situations and continue to trust him all the way through. You'll be a content and a happy person. But if you're looking for something and you don't see it and you get frustrated, mm, you're on the wrong road. You better get happy. You better get happy now. Don't torture yourself with these normal things of life. You know, just just calm down. Hmm? We'll make anything a chore, you know. I mean, it's it's so hard. Uh Go on out there and get Magic Mike XXL if you want to. (laughs) For your eyes only. (laughs) 
That's what you like. That's what you like. I, I even saw it in the spirit, too. It just ain't no carnal thing. Okay, well, go find it. It's, it's Christian men out there that look good like that. I don't know. <laughs> hey, we ain't all waiting on chicken dinners and gravy and stuff like that. It's almost really working out in the gym. Got me? Huh? But when that brother quit working out, you better have a lot of love in your heart. You understand what I'm saying? Let's get real here. Everybody want a six-pack, wants a keg one day. Hmm? A whole lot of a good thing. A whole lot of a good thing. Whatever. But you know, anything that you desire, fill your heart with good things to say about that. You know, some of these young women, every man that walks in, oh, he looked down. He don't look at him. This and him. Oh, boy. Huh? He this and he got you. You don't know what he is. You don't even know his name. You don't know nothing about that brother. Huh? Let him introduce himself first, you know. A little friendship, a little chit-chat, a little this, a little that. Make sure it's real, though. Don't be going online finding these Carlos Danger and all these kind of people on there. You ain't looking for nothing like that. There's some dangerous people out there. Don't be afraid of getting to know somebody with skin on. You know, it's real. Say hi to them. Be friends with them, all that kind of stuff. Break the ice. It helps. Definitely helps. But if there's fear in your heart, faith won't call the right thing. Fear will start to dominate. Huh? It will. And you'll force yourself into a situation with your fear. Got me? People marry the wrong person because they're afraid they got to do it now because they're getting a certain age. And you got to quit doing that to yourself. And on the other hand, some of y'all, come on now, let's get a move on. <laughs> you know. Well, Pastor Bob, when I get ready to get married, would you marry me? I'm still here. You know what I'm saying? I can't. <laughs> Gigi might have to do that. Don't wait too long. Huh? Come on now. Did you want me to walk to the altar or how you want me to get there? Come on now. Let's get a move on. Do something. <laughs> they say Catherine Kuhlman, this, this, the last time she got married, she passed out three times before she went in to marry that man. Was not God. But she did it anyway. I know. Highly anointed woman. People will fall down under the power when she walked past him and, you know, fear. Fear will do that to you. So make sure you have a heart full of love and full of faith. You've got to love yourself. 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, not be obsessed with yourself, but but love yourself. Want good things for you. Huh? Just feel like God will give you good things. He means you good. This will be a good thing. You know, you have to encourage yourself in the Lord and get a mindset that's free from a lot of doubt, fear, unbelief, you know, monster stories. Huh? Well, suppose I get married to him. He wind up beating. He beat him back. That's what my mama told me. People want to run everywhere and run somewhere and tell somebody, you better hit that, brother, if you got that. Huh? Well, grow up. Y'all grow up. Didn't your mama tell you somebody hit you, you hit them back? I was dating my husband. He said something, and I slapped him. And he slapped me back. I said, oh, my brother said, huh. Oh, he never passed another lick between us. But I just had to see what he was packing. <laughs> I'm one of them kind of girls. <laughs> I'm going to have to see what you're packing for real to see if I I think this will work. I think this will work out. I think we're all right right here. Stayed married almost 30 years or 40s, whatever it was. He's been living now to be 40 something. Praise the Lord. So don't go flaky on me like this new age stuff, you know, this political correct. Oh, 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 he's a violent man. So are you, under right circumstances. Well, I'm not advocating no domestic violence or nothing. But uh-huh. sometimes you get curious about them things. I don't. I was just curious. What's he packing? Okay. So anyway, but you got to you've got to confess fear to God. He knows how to handle it. You get fearful about something, get nervous about it. You want to push yourself to do something out of season in your life. You know, you you have to respect God, respect his timing in your life, respect his plan for your life. All of those things have to be respected for faith to grow in your heart. You can carry faith for many things at the same time. Hmm? You can. Look at some of the people that that are accomplished people. Those people really, what makes them, gets them into the realm of the doing of it, is they have a fearlessness about things. If you're fearful, you're full of fear about things, you won't accomplish much. You always have something, some harness holding you back. I would do that, but, or that looks interesting, but, and then you talk yourself out of it. When you find yourself doing that about simple things in life, I mean simple things, uh, you know, your job, your career, property, uh, things you need, necessities of life, and you can't see yourself attaining to certain things, you have to get that 
between you and God straightened out. Don't ever let fear harness you into a lesser level of living than what God has for you. You've got to break out of that. That's that's not good. That's not good at all. You'll see some people, uh, you know, who have businesses, they go bankrupt, they start again, go bankrupt, go start again. Those are fearless people. Because if anybody has reason to fear, they do. They failed already at something. But they refuse to let fear hold them down. You see people who, uh, when they, amen, people who are in their 50s and 60s and go back to school. And, you know, you could feel embarrassed because you're the oldest person there. But they have a fearlessness about them. They are determined to do this. They are determined to get it. And so they, they have this fearless thing about them that overcomes all of these obstacles. It, the devil can do that with anything you want to accomplish in life. Anything that, any dream of yours, any desire that you have, he can do that with anything. And so we have to make sure that fear is not rooted in us to the extent that it hits down and bats back every good idea that comes to you, every vision that comes to you, every nice thing that comes to you. What do you call yourself? Romans 4 tells us we have to call ourselves what heaven calls us. Amen? You have permission with your faith. To call yourself what heaven calls you. Amen. He says, <clears throat> in Romans chapter 4, I think it's 4, which one is it? I got so many things underlined and starred. He called those things that be not as those. Thank you, 17. It says, as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. When God tells you he's done something, it's done. The only thing you need to do is say yes and amen to it, agree with it. God said, I've called you the father of many nations. When you agree with him, you call yourself what God calls you. Amen. But make sure God calls you that, okay? You know, as people, you've got so many titles in the body of Christ now. Apostle, doctor, father, mother, bishop, archbishop, pope, priest, all in one person. You know what I'm saying? It's slapping on the titles. I guess they feel like if they, whatever circle they're in, they can be the top dog in that circle. Right. It says, as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations before him who he believed, even God who quickens the dead. Ooh, that's interesting. How does he quicken the dead? Yeah, it says right here, your answer. Calls those things that be not as though they are. That's how he brought life to Abraham. Quick in the dead, I'll call it alive. Amen? Amen. That's what he does. He's not a father of, of, of children that I want him to have with his wife. It's a whole other story. I'm not going there today. I've been there many times. <laughs> no. But, but 
Check this out, though. If you mess up the major, major blessing, we all got majors and minors. On a scale of 1 to 10, how big? This is huge. Okay, this is huge. How big is this? Huge. <laughs> so everybody got a biggie. You got me? Huge. And, and so uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how big is this for you? Well, yeah, he's huge. And so he'll. we all do that. We have a little hierarchy. Huh? The biggie is something... Well, I just ain't going to be happy till I get that. I'm going to hold my breath till God gives that to me. It's just so huge to us. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess what? If you screw up the biggie, because most of it, it ain't God's fault, okay? It's ours. You get a do-over. So Abraham is getting a do-over. That's all. God looks at it's not the end of the world. You didn't commit the unpardonable sin. God's not mad at you. He's not going to not bless you ever again in life. But you get to do it over. God, I'm ten years older than I was when I did it the first time and did it wrong. Yeah, and you was too old then. But you did it anyway. Interesting how we think, folks. When we're jumping up doing stuff, we ain't too old. But then we got to wait on God, and all of a sudden, oh boy, huh? Mm-hmm. Didn't Abraham and Sarah say that? Sarah judged God funny because she told him she was going to have a baby the next year. Abraham talks back to God. He's like, God, I done my due. You see Ishmael over there? I know he stick his tongue out too fun, too much. It looked like his old crazy mother, but I did my part. Got me a son. I ain't doing this over again, is what he was saying. Uh That's why God had to do something totally supernatural to him. He messed his head totally up when he started calling him a father of a multitude. Uh Because before, he was just a father. See, when we want something... We want it our way. A little bit will do us. We just want something. We want it to look like the right thing, even though we know it ain't right. Ishmael over there looking funny, got his mother's nose, his mother's hair, and his yeah, looking like nobody. He really look Hebrew. Come on now. But he had him. I got something, God. So we try to pass it off as a promise, and it don't compute with God. God's passing the rod over everything, and he comes to Ishmael and says, ding, 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 ding. Pull that out of there. That ain't right. Huh? That's not what I told you I was going to give you. 
it ain't right. You can't make it right. And I'm not going to let you make it right. I'm going to give you a do-over. And be thankful that Abraham got a do-over because we get do-over faith. Amen. We have faith to do it over and over and over again until we get what God promised us. If it's not right and it's not what God has for you, it's never going to work. Well, that went over big. (laughs) What a concept. You mean God wants perfection? Oh, yeah. What he gives you is good and perfect. Never gives you anything other than that. Every good and every perfect gift comes from, yeah, the Father of lights. No variableness in him. He don't change. He wants it right. Because you want it right. Because you're going to keep coming to him with problems with it. And this ain't right. That ain't right. He's saying, yeah, do it right this time. So Abram was living up to his name when he had Ishmael. It meant exalted father of one. God says, I'm going to make you a father of many. So that means, yeah, Abraham, we're going to do this over again. Not only that, but with your wife this time. Oh, Lord, Sarah, she old. First thing out of Abraham's mouth is Sarah's old. You 10 years older than she is. Huh? Abraham was willing to do it over and make the same mistake again. Let that sink in for a minute. Selah. Why do you think we got Christians with four or five marriages in the church? Do over. But we'll do it carnal again like I did it the first time. Huh? Some new brother coming to church looking like Magic Mike or Cookie or whatever, you know what I'm saying. Huh? Your little eyeballs is often looking again. Huh? Yeah. Carnal man is never satisfied. Huh? <laughs> Boy, it got really quiet in here. Ooh, ouch. Ooh, ouch. No, you don't want to be a divorce and remarry redo person. You don't want to do that. Huh? You married, stay married. Huh? Your eyeballs keep looking, pluck them out. Jesus said do that. Uh-huh. I'll help you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let the stuff that mess you up stay in your life. Get it out of your life. You don't have to live like that. Amen? can live holy. Amen. So God set an ordinance in Israel. It's a law. That he is the Lord that heals you in Exodus 15. The standards are here. He said, diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. Do that which is right in his sight. Oh, Lord, that's too hard. I mess up sometime. Well, repent. You get another do-over. Huh? They say, uh, John, who had the healing rooms in Spokane, Washington? 
lake, yeah. Uh, they said that uh, in his healing rooms, um, he had a couple that worked for him with ministry, a lot of young people uh, and students working for him. They would send the students out and tell them to go out and find sick people and don't come back till they were healed. And they just obeyed. Didn't come back until they got everybody. Did you get everybody here? Oh, yeah. Now, one of them, I don't know if it was Lake's wife or somebody's wife, reliably worked in the word of knowledge. And if somebody didn't get healed, if there was some sin in their life, she'd get a word of knowledge to help them. Word of knowledge about your sin is to help you get healed, not to make you feel ashamed, to make you think you can hide that from somebody and get healed anyway. You come in there doing wrong, know you're doing wrong, don't get you healed and want to blame it on the preacher. See what I'm saying? Well, they didn't play that. God hooked her up so that she knew she could find out what it was that was holding up their healing because they believed every righteous person, amen, would walk in divine hell. And that's what we believe. So we do what's right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all of his rules. He'll put no disease on you. Don't get disease if you're a righteous person. That disease is not for you. So you need to refuse it. Don't sit there and look puzzled, but make it leave you. Tell it to go and thank God for healing you. Amen. In Numbers chapter 21. And verse 15. This is something that God established out in the wilderness. There were people were getting bitten by snakes because they were in sin. Just you know, whoever breaks a hedge will get bitten by a snake. Amen. That's why you put a hedge of of protection around your children. Amen. Keep the devil off of them. But this is uh, Numbers. I said twenty-one, starting in verse eight. The Lord said to Moses, "Make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole." And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looks on it, shall live. When you look on the the pole represents the sacrifice of Jesus at Calvary, where sin was lifted up and removed from man. And if you look to Jesus only for your healing, you'll get it. Stay focused on him. Don't listen. Don't get distracted by temporary things. Sickness is temporary. Health is permanent. It's eternal. It's divine. Moses made the serpent of brass, put it on a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Amen. And so God had remedies, not only for them to obey him, but if you did get sick, he provided a remedy for your sickness. You got me? So there's always a remedy in God. He never gives up on us. He gives us remedy after remedy after remedy. Man. Exodus 105:37. He brought them out with silver and gold. There was not one feeble. You know, when you get born again, sickness is supposed to leave you. If people who are leading you to Christ will tell you that, sickness will leave you. Brother Hagen told a testimony about a lady. <coughs> she, he said that this woman, he knew her back in the 1930s. It's a long time 
<laughs> go for even him. But he said that this lady was in her 80s when he met her. He said he had heard stories about her. She used to live in this town where he was either living or visiting, preaching or something. And he had wanted to meet her because he had heard so many wonderful testimonies about what she did. And so he, the, the niece, this woman's niece said, well, she's coming into town. She's going to stay with us for a while and visit us. And uh, she, he said that she rode a bus there. And in the 30s, you got on a bus for, uh, it's like Gilligan's Island, you know, three-hour tour. And it took you all day. And she had been on this bus about for about 12 hours, 15 hours. And the niece thought, well, when she comes in, Brother Hagen, I'll call you tomorrow because when she comes in, she'll be a little tired. I'm going to fix her bed, let her rest. Blah, blah. She came in, put her bag down. She's got any sick people? She's got any houses where the sick are? And so the, the, the niece said, I thought she'd be all tired. She came in full of energy and wanting to know where the sick were. And she said, and I told her, I said, well, Brother so-and-so, he lives uh, across the street. You know, you can see the house from here. She said, well, take me over. She said, well, he's been bedridden for three years. He hasn't walked in three years. And she said she took the aunt over there, and the aunt sat there and started reading the word to him, introduced herself, blessed him, told him, God sent me here to pray for you. You want to be healed? You want to walk? Blah, 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 blah. The third day, he was walking down the driveway back and forth. God had healed him. This woman, though, was interesting. She had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but... When Brother Hagen questioned her, he wanted to know everything about how she did what she did. Good ministers find details. They don't want the superficial. They want to know. And he asked her, he said, he said, do you, do you sense any tangible anointing? No, I don't. He says, now you're baptized in the Spirit. You pray in tongues. She said, yes, I do. He said, he said, it, do the gifts of healings work in you? Any specific gift that you have? Said, no, no, I never had that. And he said, well, how do you get? She said, well, I just read Mark 16, and it says believers will lay hands, and that's all I do. She said, I go in. She said, if I feel they need their faith increased, I read them some word, and I encourage them in the word of God, and I lay hands on them one time. And I just believe God will get them up and, and get them well. And that's where she just raw faith is how she did it. Amen. And that's all we need as believers. Amen. We need the raw faith of God to obey his word in faith. He will not lie. He does not lie. And if we obey his word in faith, they will recover. I know there are times when I, if I am walking in the supermarket or somewhere, I get a sense that God would somebody will say something to me, a lead in, you know, to offer to pray for them. I don't just go around yanking people. I, that's not how I roll. That's not how my gift works. Now, if it ever would get to the point where it was like that, that would be excellent. You know, don't get me wrong. But pretty much it works in that there is an opening, an open door for me to be able to minister to somebody. And, and, I pretty much know if God opens that door, he's going to do it, you know, and I don't go away empty-handed. I know that he'll deliver the goods. And so there are different ways that the faith of God will work in believers. There are gifts of healings that work in, the, in this ministry. It's 
lame and broken and crippled and you know i can usually get somebody better than they were before if i if i would take the time it would get the whole thing and i know it would but but we're working on it amen we're working on it and so i know that god is empowering more and more believers to step out and do his will your church can be a place of empowerment or it can be a place of restriction it's up to you where you want to spend your time but i'm telling you if if you're in a place where people just go and adorn their pews from sunday to sunday and they're never empowered to encourage you